Welcome to Economics Happy Hour. My name's Matt. And my name's Jadrian. And we are thrilled to have Tim Dye with us today uh, to, to talk. Tim, uh, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? Uh, doing well, doing well. Uh, we met Tim. I met Tim for the first time, gosh, I guess it's about six months ago, at the Jet Set Conference in Cincinnati, which has come up in about three-fourths of our podcast episodes since. And uh, to relate that back to it, it also goes into the what are you drinking? Mm -hmm. And I saved the third and final beer that uh, Tim we was kind enough to give uh, me and Jadrian, the Beach Blonde Ale from uh, St. Pete Beach Blonde Ale from Three Daughters Brewing. I think I got the full one. So, uh, Tim, thank you for this beer. Or if we don't like it, you know, how could you do this <laughs> yeah. to us? But We have been sitting on this. Tim did not know we were going to do this. Tim, did you know that we had not drank the third beer? Did you connect those dots in the listening? Because this is recorded, I'm afraid to let you know what I follow and what I don't. But I did look to see on the Untapped app, which should be a sponsor, by the way. Um, so it, I, I did check there to okay. see if you had done it. I'm like, oh, well, they said it would be like the hundredth episode or thousandth or you know whatever it was, uh, which is amazing because of the background that I have mm -hmm. and the beer that I chose. It became a theme and couldn't be happier. We wanted to save this last one for when you finally came on. So they've been sitting in the back of the fridge for weeks. We go, we're going to drink this one for Tim. Uh, so that's yeah, why we wanted to wait. For absolutely. You. Absolutely. So Tim, what are you drinking today? In keeping with the theme uh, that I didn't know was a theme. I tried to create my own theme with the, the <laughs> background. Um, this is Beach Hippie. Um, and one of you has tried this. Again, I really do look at um, the untapped app. Um, uh, and uh, this is something that's local in Florida. I'm not from Florida, but I do uh, go to Daytona Beach and kind of close to Daytona Beach is the land. And that's where they brew this. Um, great, absolutely. One of my favorite beers down there, probably because if I'm drinking it, I'm on a beach and vacation. Uh, so that that doesn't hurt. Right. I'm stirring up all those memories. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's, it's a nice one to, I mean, beer is good enough on its own, but when it, <laughs> it's good Matt, memories, it's even better. It, it is you that has had it. Do you remember? If you like I know it. where it was. I'm guessing I had it in Florida. Um, I'm, I would guess it was probably in Orlando uh, or near Orlando on a trip near Disney World, but I don't know for sure. I could look it up. Jadrian, where oh, was I don't, it? I've, I've, I've already, I've moved on from that. Oh, okay. I was Sorry. checking in my Sorry. beer, um, which uh, so, turns out I've had this one twice before. I, okay. I know. But you know I, what? Good news. I liked it. So that's that's important. I have not. I'll have it in a moment. Well, um, well, why don't we say cheers first? Um, and then um, after our first sip, Tim will ask you to share a little bit about what you do and, and why we've dragged you on here. So cheers. Cheers. Yeah. So Tim like is a fellow so educator. Um, you want to share a little bit about where you teach, what you teach? Um, sure. Um, I am in Indianapolis. Um, I won't say too much about it, but a place that Jadrian has not yet attended on his tours of stadiums. And I gave him a little bit of attitude the first time I'm <laughs> probably not the best, uh, first impression, uh, but South side of Indianapolis, um, been here my entire life other than a, a stint in college, um, over in Columbus, Ohio, um, and actually live in my parents' house where they raised me, bought it from them. Um, so I, when I say I'm a South sider of Indianapolis, it is, lifelong. And I am teaching at the rival high school of where I graduated from. 
uh, Perry Meridian High School. Uh, so there's a, a lot of roots. We we kind of say the 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 tree, the family tree on the south side is kind of like bamboo, not a whole lot of roots um, uh, and branches of, of how all that works, right? Um, but um, yeah, Perry Meridian, um, about 2,500 students, uh, grades 9 through 12. Um, we'll probably talk more about that part. Um, but about a third of the population are Burmese refugees. Um, and we're getting other groups now, um, Honduras, uh, a lot from Africa and different places. Um, and, and so it's uh, certainly a mix. To put that in perspective, uh, without whole diatribe about, you know, how I grew up and where I grew up, um, we, we had desegregation busing when I lived in this very house because it was not diverse enough. And now we are a minority majority school. Um, so it's, it's a, a really cool thing to see changes, but not, you know, uh, throughout, throughout my lifetime. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. And, um, we mentioned, you know, you mentioned how we talk a little bit more about it. Um, part of, uh, part of the big question and what we, we talked about discussing today, Jadrian and I talk a lot about, you know, dealing with college students and whatever economics topics interest us. But the key question I thought that, you know, we thought that the three of us could explore is what would we think is most important for a high school graduate to know about economics? And we're kind of curious to see where we might end up disagreeing based on our various, uh, you know, various perspectives here. Jadrian and I never disagree enough. We've discussed that now. But uh, Jadrian, <laughs> what I purposely disagree with you just so I can be different. What are your uh, what are your first thoughts um is there a specific well whatever i'll I'll let you go in what are your thoughts what should a sure high school so, graduate know about economics so i think if you i have an answer for for today and i think if you'd asked me 10 years ago it was a very naive answer um compared to what my answer is today i have gotten much better about teaching my classes assuming that my students have taken no economics in high school and most of that has come and come from the fact that i when I first started teaching, I assumed everybody had econ in high school. Like I just thought that was the thing. And it was only until I got into the econ ed space that I realized that like some, some places have econ as a requirement. Some have it as a requirement, but not really. Some of them don't take it at all. And so in my, I teach really big classes of 500, I could have 200 students who have never seen an economics topic before. Um, and then 300 of them that had some varying degree of really good economics. And so I've actually gotten to the point where I almost prefer teaching students who have not taken economics um, because one, and I think Matt and I, maybe you've talked, maybe we've talked about this in a previous one. There are so many differences among economists that I think the thing that I wish my students knew if they had taken high school in econ is that economists don't always agree on <clears throat> Like the number of things. So like, for example, the number of factors of production. I use three, land, labor, and capital. Some people use four, land, labor, capital, and entrepreneurship. Some people use five. And like th those sort of differences are the hardest part of my job is getting students to realize like that I have a different answer than what their high school teacher told them. And they are struggling to sort of figure out which one is the right answer because it's the, oh, but I learned, I took econ and I learned this. And I'm like, well, th it's the same stuff. Like, it's not that different. Yeah. Um, so I just, I wish that students, um, I, I don't know a broad way to say this, like not as an econ 
con as an econ concept, but just more about economics in general, that they realize that there are multiple sort of definitions, approaches, ways of looking at things um, that I think that our profession maybe doesn't do a good enough job at, at sort of that intro principles, uh, 12th grade principles. I think we, we tend to teach it as this, these are the answers. Here you go. And like, that's not economics. E economics yeah. is so much broader. And I don't think we do a good job of that. Yeah. So it's interesting. I think you, you brought up a distinction I hadn't thought about. What, what would I want somebody to have learned coming out of high school if they're going to take my class versus mm -hmm. what might I want if they've never had it? For me, coming into it, I'll just share what my thoughts were coming in. If, if the students graduating from high school knew that for most major decisions, there are trade-offs, if that is all they knew, but they internalized it and they knew it, they're like, oh, wait, the government, uh, yeah, the government should give this. Wait, wait, let's think about this, right? There's trade-offs. Um, if they know there's trade-offs, which kind of incorporates opportunity mm -hmm. costs a little bit in there, I think coming out of high school, if that's it, I would think that's that's not bad. That's, uh, I would say if I had to pick a concept, that's the concept I wish all my students knew was that there are opportunity costs to whatever you're doing um, and to think about what those are before you make a decision. Yeah. So that's what I thought coming in. Um, I had seen drafts of the standards. They're putting in new standards on personal finance and economics into Pennsylvania. And I saw some of the initial drafts and I was like, students should know this. And I was looking through, I was like, if a student knows all this, they don't need to take principles of micro or principles of macro. You're basically saying they're going to be completely proficient at the AP exam in the initial standards. It was it was it was insane. I mean, it would be wonderful, but it's incredibly unrealistic. So I, I when I had I was on there for just a short period of time uh, to have a little bit of input, and I pushed hard, saying it should be fewer and it should be focused on the the very very biggest things. But um, that's thinking a student who may never get any economics again. So Tim, I'd be curious, you're, you're at this level teaching. What, what are your thoughts on this? I need to be careful because I think you're the one that's editing. So I need to be careful if I disagree with you. <laughs> um, so I, what I would say is um, when I look at it, I take this and it's really interesting to hear your point of view. Um, my, my claim to fame, I mean, just a feather in my cap was when a, a young lady that I had a few years ago, right after the pandemic, uh, went to an institution in Indiana, and it was an early class, eight o'clock, which I guess is dreadfully early um, for, for college students. And she just, she said the first three lectures were kind of my class, so she stopped going. And then she showed up for the midterm and the final, and she got a B plus just based on what I had done. Mine is not an AP class. I have no interest in doing AP classes for all the reasons that you said. So there's my agreement part. Um, the the disagreement part is like, I, I don't know that it's a bad thing to hear something as important as these concepts twice. And I, and to Jadrian's point, hearing a different spin or, or maybe just a little bit, um, some nuances, I think matters. Um, I really push, that makes me feel good about the, the opportunity costs and trade-offs. I really push for my students, um, 
I really appreciate that you're here. I never want to waste your time because I know what you're giving up. And we kind of talk about what else could you be doing? And then I follow that up really quickly with, but this is the best decision because you made it. So I am more important than Xbox and sleeping. And I couldn't thank you enough for it. Um, you know, so, so I, I try to twist that part, but I, I would agree. Like I, because I have the freedom to have not an AP class and a curriculum um, that tells me mm -hmm. what to do and when to do it, um, I can probably get away with a little bit more of, of those conceptual ideas, um, more activities and things, which quite frankly, I see a lot of you guys do anyway. Um, so so uh, um, I, I do some of those those bigger pictures anyway. Yeah. My answer to, you know, like, that's awesome what you did. And I have no doubt my answer on what I would want out of high school education would be very different if I knew every high school had you in it. I would say that <laughs> uh, I would I would be expecting a lot more out of it, out of it. But uh, no, that's that's pretty fantastic, though. Uh, Matt, I have an interesting question for you. It's going to be it'll be similarly related. So not economics wise. Every high school graduate, is there a particular trait, skill, knowledge base that you would want a, and again, I'm only gonna let you pick one um, in terms of a concept that you would really like them to understand, right? Is it time management, how to make a budget, right? Even if it's not econ related, if there's one thing, and I'll say out of high school yeah. for going into college. So we'll, yeah, that transition, which might be different. Often I'm asked, what should I take? What class should I, should I take a specific class coming in? And usually I, I don't necessarily have a, oh yeah, you, you must take this. The, my first thought, and I don't know if I would change my mind in an hour after thinking about it, but my first thought is that they could write well. Mm -hmm. Nobody, nobody gets to college and says, oh, I spent too much time learning how to write effectively. No, not a single person, <laughs> like those who write effectively aren't, aren't upset about it. And plenty of people don't write effectively. I, so that's my, that's my first reaction. I don't know what, if you have different, if you have, do you have a different thought, Adrian? I, th I think I have a different thought. Um, I, I mean, I definitely agree with you. It's, I tell mine, cause I do papers in my upper level course. Um, I tell, I, I go, don't give me the English essay, you know, don't tell me. So I, I teach economics of crime. I say, you know, don't start your opening paragraph with, it's important to understand the purpose of the criminal justice system and how it affects our lives. Like, I would please cut that out. Like, please stop writing papers that way. So I agree with you in that, and they don't get better um, as it goes on. I think one of the things I really wish high school students came into college better with, um, and I'm going to say, at least from my experience, this, this is maybe going to be a very gendered answer, um, is not time management, but just like, being able to use a planner, um, like to keep track of due dates without relying on a on an LMS, um, to know when your appointments are, that is probably that's the biggest hurdle that I have with a lot of my students is, um, and this is why I said my answer is probably going to be gendered in this, and that a lot of my female students have planners and they write things down when I tell them things, and my male students just sort of sit back and just try to soak it all in. But they don't know when office hours are. They don't know when the review session is. They don't know. They just don't write it down. Um, and I don't know how much of that is just, it's definitely an age thing. Like there's 100% old, old me versus young them. Um, but as just a skill or a trait sort of time, and I, I think it goes back to opportunity costs, trade-offs, right? Those sorts of things. Um, I really wish they were 
I think if they could do better at that, they would be significantly more successful. And I think that's like a very small change in their life that would have a huge impact uh, on their learning, their outcomes, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. It's so interesting. not a class, but like I think as a skill, yeah. like I would love that. As a class, I would say they need to take more speech classes um, because they get terrified of having to give a speech. And I'm like, you're going to talk to people your entire, like your job will be talking to other people. Um, but you see just them, yeah. <laughs> there's a speech class that's down the hall from my My office is right next to a classroom that holds a lot of different types of classes. And there's a speech class that happens in there throughout the week. And I can hear them practicing in the hallway or I can hear them they'll they'll sort of tuck around the corner and try to do like a zoom interview it's painful like I'm sitting in my office just I feel so bad for them because you can you can feel the uncomfortable uh feeling that they're experiencing and it's just they don't know how to talk about themselves in a in a productive way yeah yeah Tim what's the skill that you see that most benefits the students in your classes um, I'm going to dodge your question. Um, and um, I'll tell you what I try to do is I try to maintain contact with students after they leave because I have them as seniors. So then when they go their next year, they haven't forgotten about me yet. And I, I try to reach out and say, what could I do better uh, to prepare you? And the, the two common answers are time management. They have so much time to themselves in college compared to high school. You know, my my school starts at 7, 10 a.m. is the first bell. And that's only until two o'clock, which is great because it's early. But throw in sports and a part-time job and a band in there and you're done. Your, your day is full. Yeah. Um, and so they don't know what to do with the freedom of time um, and how to fill that space productively. And the other part that, that neither of you mentioned, which makes me rethink everything now, is reading. Uh, their reading comprehension. Um, they just said, you know, in high school, read this, and then they don't. And then teachers, you know, like me, um, just say, okay, you didn't read it. This is what you should have gotten out of it. Well, well now there's no incentive for me to read it. So then they, it just kind of perpetuates itself. And they said, yeah, in college, they just kind of said, read this. And you're just, yeah, if you didn't do it, you're in trouble. Reading's a good one. Reading's a very good one. And, and, <clears throat> From what I hear, I'm, I'm at a little bit of a different level. So maybe, Jadrian, maybe you have seen a difference. But our faculty are reporting a decline over even since COVID of the ability to give a 10-page reading without having to do like hand-holding mm -hmm. uh, on things. It's, you know, it's just like, um, and once again, it's the vast majority are well, but some of the students, mm -hmm. COVID, COVID's had an impact. Yeah. And so we've noticed a little bit of a difference, um, not on the vast majority, but on a subset where it's where it's taken a little bit more effort to kind of, hey, how, how do you read? That's that's a fantastic so, point. So, yeah. you know, I'm going to I'm about to give myself away. I don't know how much I've told you guys about this. Um, I teach a course. I, I mentioned the economics of crime course before uh, in terms of the workload. It is by far the heaviest workload course that I provide to students. And it is also simultaneously the course that I get the highest evaluations in. Um, so as two educators, I'll, I'll tell you what I do in this class and you will even sit back and go, how do you get away with this? Um, they read weekly at least three chapters, well, I'll say three things. Um, so it's usually two chapters out of a book like Freakonomics or something like that. And then there's usually like a podcast or an article or something that goes with it. Uh, so every week they have three things that they have to read. Um, and every week on... Uh, at the end of the week on Sunday, there's a quiz that they take that pulls a random question um, from their previous week's assignment. 
Uh, and it's the same questions every single time. There are nine question options. It is summarize one of the three readings, summarize one of our three class periods, or take a concept out of the reading and apply it to your own life. So there's three three of those. So there's nine possible questions. They can they should prepare their responses before taking the quiz because they only have two minutes to basically copy and paste their quiz answer in. They do that every week. So they read the equivalent of like two books during the semester. They have pack back discussion boards throughout the week that they respond and post and talk to each other. They don't have exams. They do Tableau projects. They learn how to create data visualizations that they do every two weeks. There are a total of six of these projects every other week where they create, they get data, they create data visualizations, and then they write a three-page paper that goes along with it as well. At the end of the semester, there's a website where they put all this stuff online. It is just nonstop work. It's the highest evaluations I get every single semester. Nice. Um, because if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to read a chapter out of a book over a week um, and write a write a small summary, if you if you can pace yourself, you can do those. So that's what they do. If if they're doing it right, they're reading a chapter, writing two question responses, and they spread it out. The students who put things off to the end just get it's like a snowball that just plows over them, um, and it goes back to they don't they don't know how to read. Um, so it's absolutely like. The ones who are comfortable sitting down with a book, um, they can spread it out and they understand sort of, I can read this chapter whenever, they can do it. The ones who don't have great time management skills and also don't like reading, this is the worst combination for them. Some of but them, they, that's they the don't topic, have to right? Oh, go ahead, Tim, sorry. That's that's kind of the topic though too, right? Like, I mean, it's, how do yeah. you not get behind the economics of crime? You know? that, so some of it is topic-based, but I've done this exact same approach in labor and natural resource it's a, it goes back to what you're saying. So like, you're right. Like a lot of my students don't like reading. A lot of the comments I get back at the end is basically, I never liked reading for school because they made me do it, but this book's really interesting. It's that, and I'm the same way, like Matt knows this and you've, you've heard me say it before. I love reading now. I'll read dozens of books a year. I wasn't, that, that wasn't like that in high school. I didn't want to read, um, I didn't want to read a tale of two cities. I didn't want to read Rebecca. I didn't want to read of mice and men. I like, I hated those books. And I, even if I try to read them now, I don't want to read them. And so I, if I had to think of something that's going to change, I think that's a place where, I mean, I, I'm glad I'm not an English teacher. Uh, Cause I, I wouldn't want to teach English literature um, to a bunch of students who just cannot get behind it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a fascinating one. That's a fascinating one. Uh, Tim, any, so you ask the students, what could you do better? Hmm. Is there, from your vantage point, are there things you think that the college economics teachers could be doing better? I, I think um, it's very general. So forgive me for that. But like, um, I mean, I know we're talking jet set again. I'm so, I don't know if that, I should apologize or celebrate it. Um, but I was invited to Jet Set. Um, I didn't want to mention his name, but I got to. Uh, Krugel, John Krugel, invited me to it. And I'm like, why am I going to this? I'm just a high school teacher. And uh, and um, I, I just didn't feel like I had a place there. Uh, I don't do research. I, you know, I do lesson plans. And, and so I just thought that there was this gap. And then by being in that community where it's like, no, no, you need you need to be here. We, we need to do more of this. I think that that what we can do, what I can do is just reach out more. There are local 
colleges and universities here where there has to be a partnership. There, there can't be this huge jump between 12th grade and then freshman year in college, because there are so many jumps anyway, again, with the time management and all that, that, that I think an alignment a little bit more of expectations, if not the curriculum, um, just what is acceptable? How, how many readings can I get away with if I'm not Jadrian Wooten? Um, well, how many can I get away with, you know, and, and doing those kinds of things? Um, so, so really for me, I think that that's kind of my next step is, is meeting, you know, you guys. And, and that, that's one of the things and, and Matt, I don't want to put you on the spot. First time no, I met no. you, first time I met you, you're not even going to remember it because it was probably just a blip on the radar, but profoundly impactful to me is uh, we, we were in an elevator and uh, at jet set and we were talking and, and it's like, well, uh, where do you teach? I said, I'm just a high school teacher. And you said, hold on, just a high school teacher. You make my, my life better by doing what you do, you know? And I was like, yeah. that was so impact. I mean, there was like the fanboy part of me saying, Matt said something nice, right? But then there was the other part where it's just like, no, that it was very validating. And That's I bad. don't think that we in the community at any level validate each other, but certainly not from, mm -hmm. and, I, and I'll say this, like, I don't do that well enough for middle school to prepare them for me. And I don't think that there's the relationship between college and high school that there should be. A great answer, yeah. Especially because I looked good in that answer. So which is what I, was <laughs> I was about to say, oh. I was going to ask you if that was just because he he complimented. Yeah, you. no, but I mean, the I, I think as a general rule, um, yeah, celebrate. I mean, yeah, I, I always admire you are dealing with students who are all forced to be there seven hours a day, every single day. They've had no choice whatsoever. Even if even if they're forced to take econ, they could avoid me, or they. Probably, mm -hmm. I think they could probably avoid Jade. There, there's no avoiding, you know, so many. So I, 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 I admire the job of, uh, I, I, of everybody. Uh, high school, middle school is the class, and I'm one of my good friends is a middle school teacher. Um, you know, really one, really one of my best friends here is, and uh, like the skill sets, just how, how do you do it? So yeah, the that parts that parts um, interesting, but bringing along. I think it's a good challenge and I'm glad John was bringing it, but I think that, you know, speaking of the jet community, I know it's a key mission to try to get, you know, the journal of economics teaching to high school teachers. And I, I don't think we've kind of cracked the nut on figuring out how to do that. I say we, as if I'm still involved in it, but I, I, I was part of it for a while. So, you know, yeah, and, I think, I think exactly what Tim said is there there are too many great high school teachers who don't know that they're great. Um, that there's there's not somebody there's not somebody validating that to say, yes, you belong here. You need to come teach us things. Um, and maybe maybe John will get real awkward when he gets to this point in the podcast, um, where I, I think we need more people like John, um, who are connecting people across different groups. Um, and you know, I, I think. This is maybe maybe this is a bigger picture thing because Matt maybe I'll I'll ask you this is you you teach at a liberal arts college that you're more connected I think uh, than I am. We often at least when I teach principals we often think about am I preparing them for the next level of econ you know is my principals class preparing them for intermediate micro, and I have friends who teach intermediate micro and they their stance is always please don't try to teach anything that I'm teaching because otherwise I just have to correct it if you do it wrong. Um, 
And so I wonder how much in terms of that, like preparing them for the next level, I, I think historically in economics, our undergraduate economics curriculum does not prepare them for a PhD or a grad school in economics. We tell them to go take math. We don't say take more economics. So I wonder if sort of this leveling, exactly what Tim just said, middle school teachers are not necessarily preparing them for high school. We don't think they are, or like we're not helping them with that jump. You know, Tim doesn't maybe feel that he's necessarily preparing them well for college. I, as a principal instructor, I don't think I'm preparing them for intermediate. I wonder how much of like, we're actually probably doing an okay job. Um, if we're, if it's sort of happening at every level, middle school to high school, to college, to inside of college, things like that. And this that was this bigger job, picture than I was preparing to talk about. So no, like this job, I think at any level is, is strangely lonely. I don't know if that's the right word. Like, I mean, we are surrounded by, by, for, for you guys, thousands of students. I've got 171 students on my, my course load. Um, but the, the econ teacher that's in the building that teaches a few sections with me is in a different hallway. I won't see her maybe once a week. There's not a collaboration. There's not, yeah. you know, to, to Jadrian's point of like, um, I, are you a good econ teacher? I don't know. I mean, I'm an econ teacher. I, you know, um, students don't get up and leave the room. I think that checks a box. <laughs> um, uh, so there, you know, there, there are those kinds of things, but I, I just don't know what constitutes good with, I don't want to be political, but like, you know, people saying how bad I am because I am a high school teacher and indoctrination and all that kind of stuff that comes out. And then just being afraid of what is that next step, you know, mm -hmm. and Am I preparing them, you know, for the next set? And so it's it's super important, I think, to to be in touch with the, the students. I think I do a good job there. But I think, you know, like I said before, I you know, meeting people like you and and validating that way and what else can I do? And and when I hear you guys talk about um just kind of like I do this this uh thing in, in my class, the one that really jumped out at me um was that game, very unfortunate name, Golden Balls, um, <laughs> that you guys do in class. And I was like, I do that, it has to be right, <laughs> you know. Um, it was very validating that it's like maybe we're not that far off. And then you start looking at Jet and you start looking at the papers that you guys write, and you're like, I I think, yeah, I think we're we're closer than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I at think... the end of the day, I don't think. You know, five years from now, a student who just takes my class and has no more econ will remember much. I'm hoping they have, you know, remember, oh, yeah, there's demand and supply. No, and you'll, remember, you know, you hope they'll remember that the trade-offs are real. Well, I definitely <laughs> hope they'll remember that. But the, um, you know, part of the process you mentioned going back like the next level, I think part of the next level, all of what we do is designed to have students learning how to think. You know, mm -hmm. it's at different levels, but I mean, in middle school, it's, you know, a different level of how to, okay, here's a paragraph. What does the paragraph mean? You know, like that might be a little bit more and starting, you know, that's one level of, you know, in high school, we get to a next level and college, you get to a next level. And I mean, um, so it's the, yeah, it's a, kind of a fascinating, the cycles through and what each, what each range accomplishes. I had a great undergrad professor. Unfortunately, it wasn't an econ professor. That would have been nice. Um, but I had a great undergrad professor. So I will push back a little bit. I think that as students, we remember a lot. Um, and and oftentimes, it's not the things that you think we would remember. Um, but I had one particular professor that told me, if middle school prepares for high school, high school prepares for college, when can you just be a high school student? And, and whatever that means, you know, to enjoy that time, because you're never going to have that time again. And when can you just be a college student, because you'll never have that time again. And that's always kind of resonated with me. 
of just like, how do we allow you to be you while at the same time teaching you things like opportunity cost and, and things that are very valuable to you? I'm glad you said that. This is one of the changes I made this past fall, actually, in my big class. Um, I have, I think, a generous grading. I'm. Gonna, it's not generous. The students don't think it's generous. Um, <laughs> it's not. They're, they're going to say it's not generous. Um, any of the any of any of uh, Doctor Wooten's students listening, <laughs> we we please comment. We need to know. They, they have all week to work on their discussion board, right? Like I don't I don't limit their time period. Um, when I teach a lesson, when I'm done with the lesson, the homework's due three days later, right? So I try to give them a lot of flexibility. But one of the big things I changed this past fall um, was that uh, they're just so I, I I was I've always been a big discussion board fan, but it was always due on Sunday because I just said here's a week Monday to Sunday it's due. I changed it and I said, your homework, your discussion boards are due on Friday night. I said, because I don't want you sitting at home on a Sunday afternoon or really Sunday night typing out an assignment that you don't want to do. Um, I don't make my homeworks due on the weekend. Um, I made that comment about a quiz being open on Sunday, but technically it's not due till Monday at 10 a.m. Um, I have radically updated like all of my little deadlines to make sure that nothing is due on the weekend. And I told them in like in the start of class, I said, you might want to do work on the weekend. And I completely understand wanting to do it. Um, and you're always welcome to work ahead if you want to. I said, but I'm not going to let, I'm not going to set up a system that incentivizes you to do it on the weekend because a lot of you are just going to wait till it says it's due. And if I'm designing the structure of the class, I'm not going to incentivize you to do that. And I had a student who had told me that a professor did something very similar that um, almost always it was, you know, everything's due at 1159 PM. And basically their instructor said, your stuff is due by 5 PM on the day that it's due, because I don't want you staying up till 11 o'clock at night, putting it off until the end of the night. Um, and that they really appreciated sort of the recognition that they are adults and that they, they do need time to be a college student. They need time to be doing dumb things at 11 PM. Um, not, finding the elasticity of demand at 11.30 p.m. because it's due at 11.59. And I have gotten really good feedback from my students as well. Some of them say like, oh, I wish I had the weekend. And I go, you you can work early. Nothing prevents you from preparing these. But I, I tell them like, go have fun on the weekend. Go enjoy football games or go hiking. Don't put off my work until the weekend. Because otherwise, it, right, it's just like our jobs. We stretch it out. We do a little bit every day. We do some stuff on the weekend. We like that, doing that. I, like but, like, I don't want that, that weaves it. in though, like the behavioral economics versus uh, like the econ versus humans, because mm -hmm. generally an extra 48 hours, you should be happy. You had more options, but not if that 48 hours and Sunday, you know, two hours after the Super Bowl begins or whatever. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I, it's a big change, but I, I, I kind of pitch it the same way that Tim said is I want you to go be a college student. I want you to go do dumb stuff on the weekend. Um, and if I can, if I can help with that by setting the due date at Friday, they still all post it on half the class posts it on Friday, right? So like there's, they will wait until the deadline. We know this from our sure. students, um, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to let them do it on the weekend if that's what they're going to do. And I I've gotten, I will say very shockingly little pushback. Um, my next move is I'm thinking about changing the midnight deadline, but I'm not there yet. Um, just because it's really easy to say 1159 PM. Can I ask, is there any change that you've seen in the quality of assignment having moved it from Sunday to Friday? They do it. Yes, they do it. That's the difference. Completion rates are significantly higher. There's a way because to... They, yeah, well, they put... 
I mean, this is, I think we're guilty of this too. Like we're all, we're, it's, I don't want to sound like student bashing, right? Cause we do the exact same behavior. I think a lot of students, when they see things that are due, they don't conceptualize how much time each thing takes. You know, they sort of look at it and they say, I have five assignments to do, but one of those could be 10 minutes. One of them could be 10 hours. It could be a paper. Um, and so what I found a lot of times was so many students would push it off till Sunday and they didn't know how long a homework was, how long a discussion board would take. And so they would sort of pencil in an hour, but then it took them two hours, but that's happening across all of their assignments. And so then they would just not complete, they wouldn't finish stuff. Um, they'd have to figure out which things to finish on time and things like that. But pushing it forward has basically, I don't know why, it has forced them to work a little bit ahead. I think most of the issue is at least on Fridays, they still have class. So they're still sort of in work mode on Friday versus on Sunday, I was getting you know, football game hangovers after Saturdays. It was, they're watching football. They're watching Sunday night football. They got other things going on. They're not in work mode on Sundays. Much higher completion rate. Hmm. That seems like that could be a paper if you did a little controlled experiment on that or something. But Tim, before we get to the pop culture, anything else you want to add on um, kind of our, the general topic of the day on what... Uh, just a, a very, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to let me ask you a reverse question. Okay. Tim, is there something, and you don't have to say the teacher or the class, like you can be, you can be vague if you want. Is there something that you wish your students, not in your econ class, but just like high school students, do you wish there was something that they didn't learn in high school that some, some field is pushing on them that is, they have to learn it in order to graduate? I'm going to go the opposite direction. So for me, it's the classic five paragraph essay that English teachers make them write. I wish they forgot how to do that because I hate it so much. So that's, that's the, that's the framing. That way you don't have to sell out any of your, any of your colleagues. Uh, I, I can't think of anything like that. Um, okay. Any classes um, more than anything. I just wish there was more flexibility in the school day. Mm -hmm. um, we, we moved to a block schedule for, so we have seven periods on Monday and then the, even periods and odd periods on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and just the level of attention and, and all of that on those last four days is so much better um, than on Monday, where now a 45 minute block seems like 10 seconds um, because they're so accustomed to a 90 minute block where you can really like get into things and have discussions. Um, so I just wish that there was some time um, for them to be kids uh, because they are like still, um, and it, it's kind of rough to see when, you know, they deal with home lives and, and things like that. And like I mentioned before, um, there's some immigration issues and things like that, that are well beyond my scope. Um, I just know that there's a stressor and that stressor obviously yeah. impacts what happens in the classroom as well. Yeah. Cool. The, I'll, I'll chime in. Mine is a little bit different, but what do I wish wasn't being taught? And it's not a specific topic, So excited. but I wish you know, and we're, we've talked elections and where it's political season. I think colleges do too much trying to get people into camps to go get out the vote. And this is something a lot of like, and the problem is, is some of the things into the camps are going to be on economics topics. And if somebody's in a camp on something, because I'm team Democrat or I'm team Republican, they are probably less likely to think openly about it and question their, you know, what they're seeing, what they're, you know, from people who are experts in the field. And there are 
topics on both and this is a future podcast that i'm like i think like from each side of like what are you saying um and that's not the way i'd frame it in a class but we'd explore it but you'd have a number of students who show up and they're they're on team trump or team biden quote unquote and they're going to come in and their mind is going to be closed to um you know, the benefits of immigration, perhaps, or the drawbacks of a minimum wage, perhaps, right? Like that's two kind of on either side and just thinking through. So that's that's one that's not that I think a lot of teachers are teaching that I would throw. I, I love that answer because um, I so I've not been teaching as long as Matt has, uh, as he likes to remind everybody, but I have been teaching for <laughs> 10 years um, and it is fascinating just in the 10 years that I've been teaching principals to see the switch in the benefits of global and international trade. Um, because it was such a political topic 10 years ago to have this sort of Democrat, Republican, like, do we support NAFTA, things like that. And then somehow it, everybody hates it. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, I was like, you're all wrong. Like, this is all good. Um, at least bef like before I had to sort of prep myself of like, all right, like some of you are some of you are anti-trade because of your politics. Like I've had to like pivot to go like the exact opposite direction where I'm like somehow both parties don't like trade anymore. Um, and like those sort of things are really interesting to me. Um, but I, I know what you mean. Like I, I hear this in. I, 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 I like to stop and listen to classes as I walk by. So like one of the things I love about being on a college campus is there's so many things you can learn. And a lot of it is just you could just stop by a classroom and listen outside and I will hear things that are going on. And the first thing I do is what class is this? I look at the schedule. I'm like, what are you supposed to be teaching in this class? Um, and it's almost never an economics course, which is why I'm looking at that. So no, Matt, I'm glad you said that one. That one's an interesting one. So Tim, um, you're, you're exempt from this if you want, but as you know, <laughs> we, we like to close each episode by thinking about, uh, pop culture in economics. Is there is there anything uh, that jumps out at you that you'd like to highlight? So I have to do it because I promised a couple of my students that I would. Again, Burmese refugees um, is a third of the population. And I said I was going to do this podcast. Um, I did a, a, a webinar for a conifal, um about some of the changes I made for EL students. And so I asked them, I said, at the end, there's kind of this moment, you know, this pop culture thing, like, what could I do? They said, um, just do this one thing and please make sure that they record this. And that is look at the questions that we have and look at the examples that we have. Bob has this, Sue has that, and just throw in a lol or a moy or, or just some ethnic name to reflect that I can be a part of econ too. And I thought, I know that doesn't follow the rules, Matt, sorry, no, um, but that was such a powerful statement that they were so invested that they want to be reflected in something like test questions, which is such an easy change for us to make that I would yeah. encourage the millions of listeners that we will have um, to, to, to just make these minor marginal changes that's going to make a huge difference in the lives of these kids. That's a great, that's a great suggestion. And we have a lot of educators listening to us, so. Speak talking about a low cost thing to implement, right? Do a search and replace in one of your tests um, for two words. And if that makes it, um, you know, we want econ to be a place where everybody feels like they belong. So that's uh, that's a fantastic one. Well, Jadrian? I do have a pop culture thing. I think I've actually oh. maybe used this one before. So I might have, 
I'm going to repeat it. I hope so, because you've already caught me using one before. So. Okay, so I think I've used this one before, um, but it is so good that I think, I think it fits perfectly with this. Um, Chris Rock has a stand-up, uh, a show on Netflix, um, and one of the scenes is he talks about high school orientation and we how the vice principal walks before. out. At, yeah, yeah and, like, it's sorry. so good. It's so good. Uh, the the vice principal walks out and says, you can be anything you want to be. And Chris Rock goes, uh, no, you can't. That That's not true. Uh, you can be whatever you want to be as long as somebody is hiring. Uh, you can't just go be an astronaut. Um, and so I, I I like that in the education space of thinking about like what sort of skills do we want them to learn and things like that. Um, I love talking to my students about their personal skills. Like the I just learned today that one of my students is a commissioned artist. Uh, we were working on her resume together and she didn't we were trying to like find things for her to do. And she's, and I said, you know, what clubs are you in? And she goes, I don't really have time for clubs. I like, I, I paint and do murals and paintings for, for different people and customers. And I was like, that's not on your resume. I read your resume and she goes, Oh yeah, but it's not a job. And I go, that's absolutely, you get paid for it. It's absolutely a job. That is a job. Uh, that's a job. So uh, we were able to put in freelance artist and illustrator uh, and come up with some stuff for her. Um, so I love hearing those sorts of things, but then also helping students sort of realize that like they're learning skills, even if they don't think they're, they are. Yeah. I, I don't think I have any, I mean, I, a pop culture that's going to relate specifically to our topic today. Um, so I'll just throw out, um, I'll throw a shout out to students. Like, well, we were talking about education and things and what projects I had our students do. I switched my game theory where instead of saying it must be a 10 page paper. Uh, it could be a 10 page paper or they could create a video. And a few of them, I told them a few, you know, if if, if for some of the really uh, exceptional ones, both in content and how you've presented it, I would love to share it if you're willing. And three of them, I thought kind of a, a lot of them, the content was spectacular. Not everybody gets up and records. So, you know. The three of them, both the content and the presentation was good. So I had a student do a game theory lessons in The Departed, Martin Scorsese's Academy mm -hmm. Award winning movie. Um, given he is nominated again for an Academy Award, it is a little bit timely on that. So if you watch The Departed and want to learn a little bit of game theory throughout, that's uh, that's on my YouTube channel. So but, I'm uh, saying, Matt, you should, uh, you should partner with him and like you should write an Econtastic uh, video with or page with him. With uh, with Scorsese? No, with the student. Um, could you should it's ask if he wants to write it together. If you want to turn it into something else, then you can. We it has been posted on Econtastic. Okay, uh, like his video, I shared a little bit about the video on Econtastic and and there, and uh, it's Ruben Tolentino, and actually he is a graduate, just superstar student, great person, and he um did uh, so it's a fantastic video, and um it's on my channel, and I, I I'm on there for like twenty seconds introducing him and saying how great he is, but. But it's but it's really Ruben who's the star of that uh, of that video. So so check out Ruben's work. Awesome. Well, I made it almost to the bottom, but I'm, uh, I'm saving it. You're you're fast. Yeah, <laughs> Tim, did you? I didn't even. Gone, Tim. I feel like I didn't even see Tim take a drink. I think he's. Yeah. You're sneaky. There's still some. So Tim, like I thank you for being on. I remember meeting you, and um, it was pretty like we'd been we'd done the podcast for maybe what seven months, eight months. And the idea that people listened and cared so much, it really meant a lot to us. Um, at least me. I, I won't speak for Jadrian necessarily, but it meant a lot. And that you you like went out of your way to bring beers for us. That was like really meaningful. Um, you you want to so. They want to copy you, Tim. Like once they heard that they, people can give beers, future people have been like, I can I can give you beer. 
I was like, but yeah, nobody's nobody else down. has given us beer yet. So no. As long else. as it's not that mayonnaise nonsense. I mean, that's <sighs> no thank you. We're we're no, not at all. But I'm hoping that I I did bring more people to give you beers, but I hope this also brings more high school teachers mm -hmm. to kind of showcase. Um, because I, that's that's what we'll do. We'll we'll uh, communicate more between those those two levels for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, and Tim, are you going to make the long? It's a little bit of a longer track. Are you jet set in 2024? Um, I I want to drive it. Um, it's it's a solid eight hours uh, from where I am. And man, I think that'd be a beautiful drive. And I'd never been there. So um, cool. we start at the end of July. Um, so it'll be during the school year at the very beginning. That'll be the only iffy part. But um, once I say I made it on a podcast, now I'm required. Um, we'll see. I'd love to be there. You guys will both be there. Well, Absolutely. I know Jade. Of course. I'll be there. Yeah. Hey, I'll listen, be there too. And I have a five and a half hour drive, but I'm looking forward to maybe not the drive, but to getting down to checking out the camp. Absolutely. So. Well, thank you, Tim. It's great to catch up again, and I'm sure um, you know won't be too long. Jadrian, great to see you. Ever. Cheers. Cheers to everybody. Thank you for listening. Cheers.